Welcome to the e-commerce innovators podcast, where we talk with top e-commerce founders and operators about the stories, playbooks, and strategies behind the brands they've started or grown. I'm Sean Arora, co-founder of Alia, a Shopify app that rewards customer education. We are the pop-up alternative for stores looking to convert more site visitors and collect three times more shopper data by rewarding customer education. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second episode of e-commerce innovators. In today's episode, we welcome Ankit Patel, one of the co-founders and the chief brand officer at Obvi. He's crafted the vision for nearly 20 plus brands and his 10 year tenure as a designer, which has amassed to nearly nine figures in sales for all of the brands combined. For Obvi, he gets to drive the creative vision of the brand, but also manages the voice and story. He's also one of the hosts of the Chew On This podcast which is one of the leading e-com podcasts today. Thank you for joining us, and I'm excited to chat. Oh, thank you for having me on, man. Excited as well. So yeah, can you tell me a bit about what chief brand officer means and what that role looks like at Obvi? Good question, Sean. So by trade, I'm actually a designer. Um, so I went to art school, learned to design, and when I got into this game, I pretty much thought brand equaled design. Um, and I quickly learned that that was not the case. Um, it's a lot more than that. It's your, it's your values, your messaging. Um, how do you speak to your consumers, your community, your reputation, um, and really your visual identity. But that, that is probably the last thing when it comes to building a brand. Um, so as chief brand officer at Avi, I'm pretty much crafting the voice, uh, how we speak to the consumers, um, our community, all those touch points, along with design, um, which is probably my favorite part. But yeah, that all pretty much uh, falls under me. I'm curious to hear about your thoughts when it comes to, you know, understanding branding and what the most important aspect is of creating a strong brand. Let's say for like newer e-commerce brands, what's the most important aspect when it comes to creating that, you know, strong brand that they can present to their customers? Yeah. So I think before you even get into designing anything, you need to like define your brand purpose and your values. Uh, the first thing you should do before you even start is articulate why your company exists and what it stands for. Uh, really nail down the values that, that guide your business and your direction, because that's going to be ultimately your North Star. Every time you're uh, struggling to make a decision or something, you go back to those brand values and that makes that decision a lot easier. Um, and then that ultimately helps you decide your target audience. Um, identifying your customer is so important. You need to figure out what their needs are by doing what you can um, by crafting your messaging, your visual identity that resonates with that specific consumer. Um, I see a lot of people kind of designing something and then trying to build the story around that. And I just think that's the most backwards thing you could do. So I definitely think that's where you need to start. Um, and then just honestly, constantly sharing your brand story um, really humanizes the brand. Um, people want to resonate with things that are a little bit more personable. Um, so whether that story is uh, in some way intimate and some way can craft your, you have to craft your messaging in a way where it intertwines with what your brand story is. So I think those touch points really help uh, build a strong community. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. I like the idea of um, using, you know, the brand story as the North Star and really like using anchoring that 
as like what the main value prop is and kind of building branding around that. I think, I think it's really like a very cool concept. I think a lot of brands kind of lose that North star after they start or after they start scaling. Um, and then you realize, I mean, these things affect things like retention rate. Um, and you realize, Hey, why did my retention rate drop? But my revenue's going up. Um, at the end of the day, your, your brand is not going to survive with acquisition alone. So continuing to share that brand story, uh, is just really important on your journey. I also saw on LinkedIn, you posted a while ago, you were saying that, you know, you've been in the e-commerce space for, you know, over 10 years now. And you said you've never walked out of a photo shoot and felt like you got full value. Um, I thought that was a really interesting statement that you made. And I would love to hear more about kind of like, I guess, diving deeper into what that means and your advice for anyone for how they can actually get the full value out of a photo shoot. Yeah. So I think for context, the first uh, first couple of years we started Avi, uh, we used to work with a bunch of content creators, but we had like this main studio that would do all of our content. Um, every month they would give us pretty much a folder of a bunch of content, um, but nobody was really guiding that vision. Um, so nobody was planning with purpose. We weren't giving them briefs. We weren't uh, really telling them what to do. It was just more so we'd get a dump of content. And what would happen is we would end up using only 20% of it when you've paid for 100% of it. So it didn't really make sense to me. And as as brand founders, I know that you can't make it to every shoot. Um, but it's one of those things that can be tackled really easy. You have to plan with purpose. So whether that be um, making briefs, really detailed briefs, and I'm talking colors, backdrops, textures, uh, models, um, and then really explaining what the purpose of that piece of content is going to be. So if I'm going to, if I need a piece of content for my product page, I need to tell that photographer where it's going to be on the product page and what it's really selling. So that's going to help them uh, kind of help direct the shoot a little bit better and get you uh, more intentional content rather than a bunch of evergreen stuff that you're probably just never going to use. Um, pretty pictures are great, but at the end of the day, we need to uh, create something that sells. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think the point about like having e-commerce brands tell the photographers and the people at the shoot what the purpose of the content is is really interesting because, like, you know, if 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 they don't fully understand what you're trying to get out of the shoot and like where it's going to go on the page, they might just like, as you said, just give some like blanket shots that might not be super relevant to what you're trying to do. No, a hundred percent. And then, you know, you can't blame the photographer at that point because they're only, <laughs> they're only going to give you uh, content based on what you tell them. So at that point, you, know, you, you get some plain Jane content. You can't, you can't tell them, uh, Oh, Hey, you messed up, man. Like, no, you need to tell them exactly what you want. And, and, you know, nine out of 10 times they'll deliver. I think it's similar even like when you build like software, because it's like, you know, there's much of different people that go into it, like the business analyst, the dev, and like what the founder might envision is completely different from the separate product at the end of an entire tech, like tech cycle of building product. Absolutely. And it seems like that's probably a similar thing with photo shoots as well. So that's, I, I think it's like a cool analogy there. Um, but yeah, I also, you know, I want to mention this because I think, you know, you and the other two co-founders of Obby all do a really good job of it, which is, you know, like building a personal brand around yourselves, right? Like you guys post on LinkedIn, Twitter, you guys have your own podcast. 
Um, and it seems like personal brand is very important to all of you. Um, can you speak a bit about why you, all of you, or maybe just you in particular, chose to build a personal brand? And, you know, does that help in sales for all the, what was the intention behind it? And also, how's it going? So, yeah, we, uh, we started posting on Twitter, I think, about two years ago. Um, and it was really because we saw a lot of other D2C people posting on Twitter and LinkedIn and whatnot. Um, but what it was, was we saw that a lot of people weren't being vulnerable on those channels. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, people shared their wins with their Shopify screenshots, <laughs> but nobody was talking about their losses or their struggles, uh, which we all go through as founders. Nobody is, you know, going, uh, just scaling their business from zero to 100 uh, without, you know, encountering some pitfalls. So what we what we did was we started, you know, really posting about, hey, today ad spend or you know, the ads just aren't working. Is everyone else seeing the same stuff? Or, hey, how do you get your retail sales up or your distribution or things that we had questions on? Um, and what that ended up leading to is us creating this podcast, Chew on This, um, to more so go even more in depth with that. Um, and it really helped build our networks. Um, honestly, as a founder, you're only as big as your network. So by building our networks, uh, we were able to find resources that uh, helped solve a lot of our problems. And we were resources for a lot of other people. So I think that direct-to-consumer community on social media is just ever-growing. And honestly, it's, I mean, it's how we met is, you know, we went to the same event. And um, it, it was basically through building that personal brand. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of why we started started building. Okay, so it was kind of you started with just like speaking to other e-commerce people, kind of flushing, like getting advice, like exchanging notes, which eventually kind of just led and led to you guys having more of a voice online. And honestly, I think most brand founders used to be really reluctant about sharing information like that. It's like, oh, if I do, <laughs> if I I found this, you know, secret way to scale ads, I don't want anybody else to find out. Like, man, everyone's gonna find out. Like, it's why don't we all try to help each other? Because this market's not that saturated and everybody can win. And not even if you're selling the same product, you have different values, you have different brand propositions and you're, you're likely your target audience is different. So um, at the end of the day, I don't think it hurts anybody to help somebody else out on their e-com journey. Nice. I think it's a really cool perspective to, ha to have. And like the idea that the market is not saturated yet and there's so many products that serve different needs, like, makes total sense. And if you can share your successes and how you do it and like help other e-commerce people at the same time, building a community is like super cool. Um, I guess like, how did you, how did you deal with in the beginning? I feel like a lot of people post content early, get like no impressions, no likes, no reposts, anything. Um, what's your best advice for someone starting content and be like, damn, like I haven't gotten a single impression today. Um, like what's your best advice for pushing through that phase? I mean, I'm not even like my partners are have a lot more followers than I do. So when I started, I started maybe months after them because I just never thought I had time for it. But in the beginning, you're not going to get a lot of engagement on your posts. And, and what it is, is it's, it's almost a night and day thing where if you consistently post and not worry about 
engagement and your likes and your comments um, and even hateful comments. Those are things that it comes with the territory. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to get on every post. So dealing with that in a uh, really mature way, not not lashing back, but almost trying to understand somebody's perspective when they come at you on Twitter or LinkedIn. It's very important. Um, so it, a lot of it is swallowing your pride and understanding that you don't know everything. And even if you post something, you might not be right. And and getting somebody else's perspective is, is uh, probably the most important thing. Uh, I built a lot of connections through people disagreeing with me and we'll have this nice back and forth. And um, it's healthy because you see both sides of, you know, the field and, and it's just a healthy perspective to have. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And for someone who might be looking to build a personal brand and, you know, speak with other GC people, what's the best uh, medium to do so? LinkedIn, Twitter? Um, well, we started on Twitter and then we gradually made our way to LinkedIn. And it's funny, you'll, you'll find out very fast how different those platforms are um, as far as the types of content you kind of want to post there. Um, it used to be where LinkedIn, you'd, you'd post more of your tactical uh, content, uh, keeping it pretty buttoned up. And on Twitter, you would post more of your personal stuff, um, maybe about your life journey, things like that. But what I've, I've found recently and what we've, we've all found recently is that they've almost switched. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's not that you can't post personal things on Twitter. It definitely gets, it's always going to get great engagement. Uh, people want to humanize, uh, a person. Um, but we were, do, we're doing a lot of tactical stuff on Twitter now with loom videos and and just posting um, things that people can actually use to go and uh, scale their own brands. So we've been doing that. And on LinkedIn, we've been posting a lot of personal journeys and, and, and vulnerability posts uh, have been doing really well. So either or, wh- whether whatever direction you go, um, I think just starting is the big thing, even if you're doing it on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is, because I've seen a lot of uh, will scale on those platforms as well. So I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily the platform. I think it's more about consistently uh, dedicating your time to a platform. I didn't really know that it, 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 it switched like that, like personal posts getting more on LinkedIn and more tactical on Twitter. That's pretty interesting though. Yeah, it's, the, uh, it's a stat. We, we've been recently just looking at this data um, and it's something we've been testing for the last couple of weeks and it's been doing really well. Um, our, our growth has gone up a little significantly since we kind of switched them. Um, but again, it's an ever-growing uh, and ever-changing uh, environment that might change at some point too. Um, and I guess on the topic of personal brand, um, you guys have a really big podcast called Chew on This. Uh, I was just wondering, like, in terms of Chew on This relating to Obvi, do you guys consider you know that podcast flowing into sales for Obvi, or are you doing it for alternative reasons? Or I'm I'm just curious, like how you think about the relationship between the podcast and uh, and the Shopify store. I wish you get that question a lot. Um, and the simplest answer is is no. I don't I don't think it's a it's a lever that will you know, boost sales for Obvi. Um, and it, it's kind of what people assume sometimes is that we're promoting if people who don't watch the podcast, think we're promoting the product on there all the time. And, and honestly, we talk about Avi as a brand that we run and we've had experiences with, not a brand we're trying to make you buy on there. But what it does do, um, 
for the obby and is a lot of our community watches the podcast um so when they watch it it really humanizes the brand and it shows okay these are the guys behind obby um it just amplifies the credibility of obby in general and just the authenticity and the trust behind it so although we can't um you know pinpoint any sales towards the podcast it's probably just some sort of organic uh funnel there but I think it's it's really good when you humanize a brand. Um, really great for your community and your attention. Okay, that makes sense. Do you recommend that other e-commerce DTC people who might be listening to this start their own podcast? Like, do you think that it's it's worth the what you guys have done uh, and that's helping build the community? Like, is, like is that something that you would recommend? Absolutely, um, and it doesn't have to be. And it, it the podcast could deal with your brand um directly or it could be off brand like what we've done um but i think that's just another level lever you can pull to create your personal brand and amplify your personal brand um because it puts a face and it puts a voice behind you and uh, it's it's either short form or long form uh you're going to get clips out of it um i think it's just a it's a great content machine for us i had a question about the takeover of coffee over cardio um I guess I'm curious to hear, you know, the the story behind that. Um, why you guys cho- chose to acquire, what that's led to, and you know, maybe for larger e-commerce brands, advice if they're looking to an acquisition. Uh, if you think that that's a wise decision to make at certain times in the business. Pretty much, coffee over cardio almost fell into our laps. We weren't looking to acquire a company. Um, we had known the owner for some time. I'm uh, just looking to sell it uh, for just personal reasons. Um, and in the beginning, we kind of humored it a little bit. But then after looking into it, it was exactly what we were looking for. We weren't looking for a company that's done, you know, millions of dollars in sales, although they had. Um, what we were really looking for was a company who had a strong brand and a strong community. Um, and they had like 98K uh, community members on the Facebook group. So it was a very, very similar setup to Avi, as in like we had a really, really strong community and that was a bulk of our sales. So what we saw is, okay, we have a product here that has a really strong brand, really strong community. Can we just plug this into our blueprint that we have going right now? Um, and it's a little bit more complex than that, <laughs> but I think, um, <laughs> right now we are in the midst of doing a little bit of a brand refresh, not that, um, the values of the, the messaging was wrong. It was more just tightening things up to really become this national brand. Um, and they're a primarily direct to consumer business, um, looking to get into retail. It's really where you're going to make your bones in coffee because the margins are, not that great. Um, so, and we, with Avi, were, you know, in Walmart and all these other retailers. Um, so we wanted to leverage those relationships to bring a new brand to them. Um, again, a little bit more complicated than just, you know, hitting up your Walmart buyer and saying, bring this in. Um, but we saw that there was opportunity there. Um, and then we went ahead and pulled the trigger. You know, for you guys, maybe it was more of like a community play. Is that fair to say? To build it, to increase the community? Absolutely, because I think building a community is probably, it's something every e-com brand should do, but it's one of the hardest things to do 
uh, from scratch. So the fact that they had one and we were really good at managing communities, I think it was just a win-win for us. How do you think about merging these two communities together, right? The Your community and the community coming in. How do you think about merging those together? Yeah, so I, need, I think a lot of people assume that that's what we were doing. Um, but we do want to keep both brands completely separate. Um, and what we do to leverage both communities, and it, it's it's almost because I don't want it to be to come off as salesy towards either community. Like, hey, we brought this coffee brand, buy this. Um, I wanted it to be a lot more organic. So what we do is we'll do like a cross promotion where we'll put an insert into one of the Avi packages uh, for a coffee over cardio product. And it'll be like, hey, get 50% off your first purchase. But it'll be, you know, really friendly. It's not like, hey, you must buy right now type of thing. So we don't want to piss off any community members. We want to keep it organic. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, how we, we've separated the communities, but still leveraging the communities as a whole. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And I guess to your point on Walmart, right, you guys already kind of had that flowing. And then you want to bring in uh, the newer company into the Walmart stores. Um, I guess, how was your experience with Walmart and how would you advise e-commerce brands looking to get into Walmart stores? Yeah, so I think we were running for about three years, primarily direct to consumer. And we were in vitamin shop, but that's not, I mean, it's not a huge retail chain. Uh, Walmart is, 4,500 locations. So that's a big myth. Um, they pretty much reached out to us and they said, hey, can you guys come down to Bentonville, Arkansas and have this meeting with us? <laughs> um, and I don't know if you've ever been to Bentonville, but it is that uh, you land and you're just surrounded by cows. <laughs> um, there's really nothing there except Walmart. Um, and there's an Arby's. <laughs> and that's about it. Um, but it's a really cool little town because every single person knows about Walmart and knows you're there for Walmart. Um, our Uber driver, the first thing when we landed was they said, okay, are you here to pitch a product? (laughs) Oh, wow. So everyone knows. (laughs) Even our waitress at one of the restaurants was like, so how'd your pitch go? (laughs) So there's really no place to be there unless you're doing something with Walmart. Um, anyways, we had a, uh, Everyone gets 30 minutes, really, really strict. Um, we had a 30-minute meeting. Um, Ron, my CEO, kind of led the meeting. I did the pitch deck. Um, and what was really surprising to us is after the 30 minutes, this apparently never happens, they extended it another 30 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so we saw it as a really good sign. A um, couple weeks later, they said, well, you're launching nationwide, <laughs> which was... Uh, it doesn't happen. Usually you test in a couple stores and if your test does well, you, you just launch. But they, they wanted to roll us out nationwide with four SKUs. So it was, uh, it's hard. It was probably the hardest A to Z process that we've ever done as far as, A, you know, if you're launching nationwide, that's millions of dollars in inventory you have to go get. So A, do you have the cash to go get it? B, do you have someone who can create that volume of inventory and if you don't you have to go find it see who's shipping this product to walmart because they have very very strict guidelines on how you can ship when you can ship um and how it needs to be packaged 
Um, and then D, it's like you're going into Walmart. So is your product ready for, is your product shelf ready? Uh, meaning does you have all your value propositions on the front of your um, packaging and direct to consumer, you obviously have your product page. It's going to sell your product for you, whether you have anything on your packaging or not, you don't have that in Walmart. So really you're, you're, you don't have a PDP, but you have a principal display panel, which is the front of your packaging. Um, and you want to make sure that all your value props are there and you're going to stand out on shelf against your, against your competitors. So, yeah, I think getting into Walmart is, is, is definitely a goal for a lot of D to C brands, but understand what that means as far as it being cash intensive, as far as it being labor intensive. Um, and as far as how it's going to affect your online business, because it does, um, they run EDLP, which is means Walmart will always have the lowest price and it has to have a lower price than your website. So how do you combat, how do you combat that aspect of things? And we're dealing with it now where, um, things are just, it, it, there's a reason for people to go to Walmart, right? They have the everyday low price, but now you need to incentivize your consumer with maybe rewards points or maybe free gifts or something because you have a higher price point. Um, so what can you do to separate yourself from Walmart? So those are all things you have to consider when, when wanting to go into Walmart, when getting into Walmart. So, I mean, as chief brand officer, like what's your advice to any e-commerce brand looking to strengthen their brand and their voice, uh, to their customer base? Yeah, honestly, don't stray away from your brand. Um, and I know I mentioned it before, um, Scaling your brand is one thing. And I, I know when, when people start brands, they stay very close to their North Star. And it, when things start scaling a little bit is when you start straying away from that. Things start to be a little bit more off-brand. Maybe you're going to reach for quick money sales and things of that nature. It's really, it's really great in the short term, but in the long term, you're going to hurt that retention from your customer. Um, you really want to nail down on who you bring into your funnel because that is ultimately going to decide what your brand becomes and who's following you. Okay, that makes sense. So just maintain the integrity with your brand that you had at the beginning, even as you grow into a large and larger company. Yes, sir. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you for the time, man. Uh, it's been great chatting. Absolutely, man. This was great. Anytime.